And now, coming to you live from our Coast to Coast Trading Desk, this is The Flagship Pod, a weekly podcast recorded in front of a live Discord audience about the economy, the stock market, and the market forces shaping the world around you. As always, I'm your host, Peter Starr Northrop, folks, bringing you this time a quick discussion about just the wild volatility we're seeing, what's happening in the market this week, and what we anticipate happening in the market next week. Quick high-level look, quick tight half-hour conversation here, as always, folks, with Justin Kramer, our co-founder and chief analyst. Justin, man, what's uh, how's life over at lunchtime? What's good, dude? Uh, not not much. Sorry for switching uh, the time up here on the audience. Um, just some stuff going on that uh, that the Moby team's working on. Super excited to uh, to tell you all about it soon. But high level, um, we're gonna have our apps hopefully launched early February. Um, so it's just taking up a lot of time. So yeah, we had to move it today. But other than that. Uh, all good so far. Yeah, we're in a really good place, and it's a really exciting place, too. And audience, I really appreciate you rolling with the punches as we have to deal with, like, tech company timing as well, where afternoon and evening time slots are just getting eaten up by all these meetings we have to go to. Either way, Justin, so main thing in the market, uh, you know, volatility reigns. Yesterday, the main headline in the evening was that the NASDAQ finally entered correction territory, and this morning we wake up to a pretty significant rally. So uh, what's the deal with this volatility this week, man? Like, how how is the market dealing with just all of the, like, the, the the inflationary pressure, all of these sort of like, uh, what am I trying to say, uh, foreign policy pressure, re, uh, the energy crisis in Europe and the Ukraine. Um, how, sh- how should we parse this? I think you had a pretty good view on it this morning in the Discord, and I would love to get your perspective here, dude. Yeah, totally. And, um, you know, I think it's just a continuation, like, unfortunately, of what we've been saying. It's like, for the past decade, which is longer than most people have been investing outside of like professional investors, there's been only one way the market's gone, and that, that's up. Um, the Fed has been pumping in literally trillions of dollars since 2007, 2008, um, and also have kept interest rates at a declining rate for the last decade plus. And when you do that, valuations of stocks get significantly overvalued. Um, the market is just flooded with capital. People are investing. Stock prices are going up. It, I mean, it just creates an environment that, like, everything goes up, especially super high growth stocks. And so like we've said last year and continue to say this year, with the Fed ending that program, which is also known as tapering, them increasing rates, like just the last decade is not going to be the next decade. And I think the hardest like pill that most people can't swallow right now is the fact that that's a truth. Um, it's honestly a little mind boggling to me. Even the press CNBC, all these people, they're like, oh, is this a correction? Are we in correction territory? Um, I mean, we've been saying this for the last few months now. Like, this was kind of inevitable. It was going to come. It's not a bad thing. It's it's growing pains. It's, it's good. Otherwise, the market would get completely too white hot and totally just, you know, crash off. But long story short, I mean, this is, this is par for the course. And with the Fed looking to raise rates and continue tapering, I, I mean, I think this is going to continue being the story for a while. So, all the picks that we've been recommending over the six months, the last six months, and it's not all, but a lot of picks, if you've noticed, have been very defensive names, very cyclical names, financials, healthcare, a lot of names that do well in a rising interest rate environment. And I mean, it's not by accident. We're seeing what's going on with the macro. And regardless of how good of a company you are, if you have a high multiple, you're in the tech sector and your growth name, like you're going to get hit. And so a lot of the stocks that we've recommended last year before this was really a thing are getting get hit. And, you know, we still fully believe in them. But this is just something that is going to be a headwind probably for the next six to 12 months until things reverse. So stocks are down, maybe some of the tech names in your portfolio. But unless things have fundamentally changed with the business, which in most of the cases for the stocks we've recommended, it hasn't, 
this is just going to be par for the course now. And I think people need to get comfortable with that, even though it's an uncomfortable truth looking at your portfolio and seeing it drop. Um, and the same really goes for crypto as well. Um, it's a super risky asset class. And all the people we're talking to are, are dealing with the same pains. It's just stocks and crypto in the market can't go up forever. Like people need to realize volatility is normal. And I think a lot of younger investors don't realize that because it's only really gone one way for the past 10 plus years. And I think that's it's really important to recognize audience that that's more of a function of the actual of the way that we talk about the market more than the market itself. These kind of these kind of pains are natural and are supposed to happen. And it's the frankly unnatural thing has been the decade of just unmitigated growth that has happened since the last financial crisis in 2008. The main thing I want you to to keep in mind audience is the uh, just Keep in mind, the press is deeply reactive when they talk about the markets. And the main goal of Moby.co here is to make you proactive in your mindset when it comes to the markets. That is to, you know, plan ahead as best you can to... Uh, make sure you have a good perspective um, on your long-term investments because you only get rich on the stock market in the real world over the course of 30 years. And so our goal is to give you that long-term perspective and to make sure that you understand that the we do give you the uh, the stock market pick by pick, but that's so to per, that's to provide you focus so you can build the best portfolio for yourself. So keep that in mind. As the market is deeply reactive, uh, we need to be more proactive and actually plan our portfolios out. With that said, let's get into the the actual stock picks we've we've made recently that are starting to like do well even in this environment and i think one thing that our audience is really excited about is that after you know getting hit pretty bad by uh, the fintechening that happened in december and early january uh what we're seeing with sofi right now justin is a is a good bump and like getting right back to where we were when we made our initial price target so justin take me through so what's going on with sofi right now and like how does it look moving forward even with the the student loan moratorium getting knocked out so SoFi, again, similar to kind of what we I was just ranting on, was is falling like pressure to the same exact stuff the other tech stocks are. Um, yes, it's a, a financial company, but it's being viewed as, as the same way as Robinhood and all these other fintech companies for good reason because like it is a technology company. Um, so, you know, fat rewind to November when they're when the stock I think started falling, and like again, this this should have been foreseen. Um, as we've been recommending that people start diversifying away from technology names. And so what happened yesterday specifically and why the reason it bumped up was because, um, because they got a bank charter approved, which is something we've been talking about as a potential for the last six months, um, came a little faster than we anticipated, but obviously that's a massive, massive talent for the stock. And we actually put out a pretty lengthy research report on it yesterday, but the, the short of it is that, we really like SoFi going forward. This is, and this is just the first catalyst. This is now they get into banking, offer more competitive rates, get more clients, increase revenue, decrease how much it costs to acquire users and a handful of other metrics. And then on top of that, the next thing that's still coming that we're still waiting for um, on top of like this bank charter, which is still going to be a strong tailwind for the stock is going forward. SoFi, yes, they're going to have to deal with the headwinds from the Fed and the tapering and all the things we discussed about. Um, but once this rent, um, and by rent, I mean student loan moratorium ends, that's another tailwind that it's going to significantly start boosting the stock. The reason it also fell was because it got pushed back. It was supposed to end now. Now it looks like May, June, it could be pushed back again. Um, but long story short, that's where they're going to get most of their business going forward since they're so credit heavy and they are weed so heavily at the younger generation, specifically people who are students. So long story short, we still love the stock, 
it's getting hurt because of a lot of macro pressures. But in five, 10, however many years from now, like this is going, I mean, we can't say 100%, but we think this is going to be a massive winner. Just again, things that you need to comp- like try to ignore until the thesis changed. Stop looking at the portfolio every day. Stop looking at the day-to-day movements. It's just going to drive yourself crazy. Precisely. And audience, that's we're, that's why we're still recommending some growth stocks with you know decent revenue potential for 2022. We want to see stocks kind of maintain that level head, even if they're in like that growth category, which is why you saw stock picks like Rocket Lab and when we're putting out uh, today via, via email and via YouTube you know, a little bit later. But the main thing I want you to keep in mind is, is that we're thinking cyclically right now. We're thinking defensively as investors. And as we watch the, the market kind of play out here, we're going to kind of keep that perspective for at least the next six months. So uh, the main thesis we have, and you can listen back to our previous episode if you're listening in our podcast feed, the main thesis we have is that boring is beautiful right now. We're going energy stocks. We're going, you know, the big tech names that are going to be kind of pandemic proof and not get hit, like not get chopped too hard by the inflationary environment. So stay tuned for that. Keep in mind, if you're seeing people make flashier picks, making huge promises, those are even less uh, viable right now, especially as we go through this. So don't react to these periods of volatility, i.e. the thing you should, the thing that's the biggest distraction are days like today where the, the Dow just shoots back up 400 points because we're going to be seeing this bounce all over the place easily until till the late summertime. So, you know, hold on to your hats and keep that long-term perspective. And this is honestly going to be fun and give you a healthier portfolio. These periods of bottoms, both in the stock and crypto market, are the best time to learn. And so, begin really thinking about the picks you want to make, the individual picks you want to add to your, your portfolio, and, you know, literally just wait two weeks and just see how the market plays out, because you'd be surprised the sharp left or right turns this thing can take. Moving on, though, Justin, so that's that's been kind of this week. We're thinking a lot about um, uh, the international situation as things kind of heat up a little bit with Ukraine and Russia. It's kind of, it's still, like, the, the media will tell you that it's, you know, oh, it's really bad, but it's really hard to see if, you know, Putin's actually, you know, pressing the psychopath button and just straight up invading western eastern ukraine but we keep that in mind in the back of we keep that in the back of our head because it's just hard to say um but when we're thinking about next week justin like what are the things we're looking for next week is it more like earnings season continues and we you know watch for certain sectors to have earnings season or are there other economic reports we should be on the lookout for as we start to get a better sense of the depths of the issue we're in right now yeah i mean so I think we alluded to this last week, but every week, obviously, the the Fed and like different governmental bodies are putting out um, just like different metrics that we're looking at. And these metrics are super important, especially now, like in a macro environment. For this week, there wasn't anything like too much that we're looking at. Um, but for next week and the week after, there are definitely some some strong things. Next Wednesday, um, the the head of the Fed, Jerome Powell, if you don't know who he is, he's all over the news right now. Just Google his name. A thousand things will come up. He's doing a press conference on Wednesday, um, and that should, again, everyone is just going to look towards his policy on interest rates. Are they continuing to say they're going to raise rates? Are they continuing to say they're going to um, pull back and, and, and continue tapering? If they continue doing what they're doing, and I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't, based on all the analysis and people we've talked to so far, then the markets likely on Wednesday and Thursday are going to have a dip to it. It's like, it's going to scare people because it becomes more and more likely and, it be- and that hurts like the, the market more, but that's something like really watch out for. If all of a sudden he reverses his stance and says, you know what, we're going to push back our, our tapering, we're going to push back the rising of rates. I mean, the economy, I think, <clears throat> sorry, the markets, I mean, are going to, I think, see a strong like potential rebound. I, I think that's highly unlikely, but that's something to look forward to because 
the market is completely dr- being driven right now by the Fed's policy and specifically Jerome Powell. Um, and then later in the week, we'll get more stuff on jobless claims and unemployment um, and like a lot of things of that nature. We'll get more inflation numbers. The general theme and everything we're looking at is more of the same. We think inflation is going to continue rising, continue scaring people. Rates are going to rise. They're going to do all the things we said. I think we're approaching a peak in some of the inflation numbers, um, but I don't think we're there yet. So just we'll continue to update you if things change. But predictions right now from the Moby team is just more of the same. Uh, Unfortunately, it sucks for the portfolio. Um, but it's just, it's normal growing pressures, even though a lot of you might not be used to it over the last decade. Exactly. And Justin, uh, obnoxious question. Can I put you on the spot real fast? And can I just get your personal guess where you think inflation is going to top out? You think we're going to hit nine? Do you think we'll make it to the double digits before this thing really slows down? It's tough to say uh, exactly like the number. I think what's an easier guess is when it'll happen. Um I think the Fed, based on everything they've been like indicating and all the uh, the experts we've been talking to, the Fed should likely raise rates roughly around the summertime, which I think then will ultimately start seeing peaking inflation around that point as well. Like as soon as rates start raising, in theory, like inflation should start curbing. So my guess is we'll start peaking out anywhere from you know Q2, most likely Q3, even into Q4. Um, for the actual number per se, I mean, it could get into double digits. That would definitely be scary. And that would definitely have some severe implications for like the markets in general. I don't think it'll get to that point because if it does, the Fed would move faster, which also would then hurt the markets even more, but would stop inflation in theory based on like traditional economic policy. So long story short, I don't think it'll get there. Obviously, it's possible. And it's a complete guess. No one in the world can actually forecast where interest rates are going. I'm sorry, inflation. Um, But I think what's easier is just to say when it'll happen and how the markets will be affected. Now, I get you. And I appreciate you giving us that perspective here. Again, it's one of those things where our audience is just like, hey, I'm just, you know, just curious about like how nutty the problem is going to be. And that's the thing we have to keep in mind, too. When you watch the media react to this audience, they're reacting like it's a constant, eternal thing, wherein uh, the market moves very slow compared to the speed at which information moves. So uh, that's why we really try to engender this long term perspective. And so, Justin, as we get to the back half of this here, as we get to like, you know, closer to the end of this podcast, I guess the main thing our audience is trying to keep in mind is what are some, like, we give, you know, about five picks a week, like three to five picks a week, depending, also talking a lot about crypto. I guess before I get into stocks, we've completely ignored the crypto market, which is rallying right along with the stock market. Solana's up pretty well. Ethereum's up pretty well. Bitcoin's doing all right. So we're not hitting the the resistance lines that would drop Bitcoin back into the 30s again, but that's just, that's more volatile than anything. Uh, one one post you had today that I'm, not, not today, but this week that I'm really excited about is Algorand. And I'd just love to get your perspective real fast. Like, what, what are your thoughts are in terms of these these newer coins that have the potential to pop off a little bit, even in this environment? Like, what's, what's the thought there, especially with Algorand? Yeah, so it, it's, it's an interesting, like, scenario. So, like, we've talked about this before, and I, I don't need to get too in-depth here, but, like, essentially, Bitcoin and crypto is a risky asset. And so people who are saying it's not correlated with inflation and all this stuff. And it's like supposed to be an anti-inflationary asset. I mean, to date, yes, we've seen it moving with interest rates, but like that hasn't been a long-term relationship. So it's hard to say if that's conclusive. We've alluded to it before. Something we're keeping our eye on. It's definitely interesting. But over the last decade, at the very least, crypto has been extremely 
correlated to the market. So the market drops, crypto drops, the market goes back up, crypto goes back up. And so if you're looking at our outlook for the markets, I mean, I think it should be pretty self, self-explanatory. We think crypto could potentially be subject to a lot of volatility this year. Having said that, just how we view stocks, we're long-term investors. We're not investing day-to-day. You know, no one really is successful at that unless you're like a, the best quant fund in the world, which is the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. Um, the people telling you <laughs> about the stocks they're trading on Instagram and TikTok are just are completely full of it, honestly. We should, what we should start doing is tracking how many people are putting out stock advice on Twitter, on Instagram, on Discord, on all these channels based on market fluctuations. I guarantee the amount of people who are putting out how much of geniuses and recommendations they are, are significantly up in up markets and significantly down during these times. Just the amount of volume would be my guess. Um, it'd be really interesting to see. So if anyone in the audience wants to do that for us, um, that I think will only prove our point and, and sh- really come to show for everyone, like how a lot of these people are just speaking out of their ass more or less. Um, but I'm getting off topic. So for Algorand specifically, what we're seeing um, is an actual competitor to potentially Ethereum, Solana, and a lot of these like proof of stake, proof of stake tokens in the longer term. Um, basically, it's very similar to Ethereum. It's very similar to a, a lot of other projects out there, but there are small nuances um, that we like. The first one is that it's actually being adopted by countries already. It's the first currency or digital currency to be adopted nationally. Um, Ever. So recently, the Marshall Islands, which is an extremely small place, so obviously take this with a grain of salt, use Algorand's infrastructure to launch their own cryptocurrency as a digital um, or as a national currency, which is extremely exciting. And from what we hear, they're in talks with several other countries right now, at least 10 um, to do the same. So that that's just insane right there in itself. Really speaks to how amazing tech is relative to some of these other projects. Um, and then relative to Ethereum, they can do over a thousand transactions per second and are looking to do up to 50 to 100 by the end of the year, whereas Ethereum right now is like 10 to 100. Granted, they're looking to increase that as well. So that's nice. They are running on a pure proof of stake versus a proof of stake, which at a high level um, is very similar, but there are some small differences that we like. So, I mean, long story short, Algorand actually is a project that still is relatively big. It's in the top 25, but isn't necessarily in the media to the extent that Ethereum and Solana and some of these other coins are. Um, So we really like it. It's going to be just like the rest of the crypto market up and down in price, but truly believe this could be like an insane project in the long run, like something that has like 10, 20, 100 X returns over a multi-year period. And audience, one thing I want to reiterate too is that during this period of time, during this time period where things are down, where the stock market is driving everything down, including crypto in a lot of ways, this is the best time to really, if you haven't been watching crypto, this is the time to do it, just to see how far down these coins go and how they perform over like week over week, so you can get a better sense of how each individual project performs in a bear market, so you can get a better sense of how much you can like rise up in a more bullish market. For me, like a lot of what I'm doing right now is moving a lot of my budget into more speculative assets since I'm expecting larger returns over this five-year period. So I'm doing a lot of experimentation, specifically in various DAOs as well. And I can reiterate on that a little bit later as well. But that's the one exciting thing about crypto during this time is that everyone tells you to buy the dip. And so the main thing you need to watch for is like, how big are these dips? How do they happen? And how do they compare to previous dips? So you can get a better sense of what crypto is as an asset. Because no matter what, even though Bitcoin is a decade old, that is a blip on the radar compared to the literal 
centuries of data we have on the stock market. And the only way we can build true fundamental analysis in any asset class is with decades and decades and decades of data. There simply is not enough information on any crypto to know precisely how that market is going to go. And so what I really appreciate, audience, is you understanding that there are that everything is a market, both um, the stock market and crypto markets itself and the media in which we discuss these things. And so you will see people say the sky is falling because high emotions generate more clicks and views. And you'll say this stock is going to go 100x because FOMO will generate clicks and views. The cool thing that you do here, audience, is you, by being subscribers to Moby.co, by being a part of this community, you give us the opportunity to take things slow and give you the slow perspective. You take us out of that market because our market is supporting you guys as opposed to... What am I saying here? Trying to generate as many views as possible to get like 0.3 cents per click from frickin' Google and or anybody else. So keep that in mind. You're going to get the slow perspective from us because we are not incentivized by the market to be sensationalist. And we really, really appreciate you giving us that freedom to give you the best advice possible. With that, Justin, we are, you know, rapidly running out of time here. We may have like four minutes since we started a little bit late. When we think about, you know, those kind of low and slow stock picks as well. So we have a good perspective on Algorand, like it's a top 25, maybe can pop off a little bit. The metric you use in the stock market is a little different because we're playing again in that area of fundamental analysis. So we're thinking more slow as opposed to finding smaller companies. So when we're thinking about this volatility right now, what are some of the, de the defensive picks we should be playing around with during this environment? Because we have both inflation and supply chain issues and a brewing energy crisis in Europe and, you know, Omicron or whatever. And so when you think about all of these unprecedented variables, Justin, like where do you kind of land in terms of the more defensive stock picks? Like, is there a specific asset class that, you know, you're thinking more and more about as this crisis, air quotes, crisis evolves? Yeah. So, I mean, from uh, less from an asset class standpoint and more from a sector standpoint, I think it's going to be completely what we've been like continuing to reiterate financials, staples, healthcare, energy. I mean, all stocks that, that should do well historically in a rising interest rate environment. Um, I think it's a, a little bit too early and just really not our style to be going into like fixed income in some of those areas. There, there are definitely some higher yielding projects, um, especially like kind of in the DeFi space that aren't necessarily fixed income, but are paying some sort of fixed coupon that we like. Um, and, and we've talked about them before. Um, and then even like REITs and, and high yielding um, equities are, again, like things that we like um, within REITs not really looking at commercial real estate for like office space, but for data warehouses, for multifamily homes, um, a, a lot of things in that. And again, if you want to learn more about it, go to our site. We've, de we've definitely talked about a lot of this in depth before. Um, but those are kind of like the assets we're looking at. Um, and then with inflation, we think peaking out, I think going towards certain commodities is going to be very nuanced. I think trading and just thinking commodity prices are going to go up from an asset class standpoint is is wrong in the environment we are. You're going to have to look at specific commodities like aluminum versus silver and gold versus, you know, um, any other like material out there, um, and, and look to see like actually what's rising in price. And again, we we've talked about that more in depth before, but like lithium, cobalt, magnesium. I mean, these things are going up in price, and that shouldn't be changing, but like lumber and some of these like core, like more actual manufactured commodities should start decreasing. So on a commodity by commodity basis, we, you need to be very selective. So every asset class is going to be very unique this year. They're not going to necessarily be trading in pairs like they did historically. And stock selection is more important than ever. Can't just throw a dart at a board with a bunch of tech stocks and, you know, it'll go up. It's 
picking the right companies who are trading at the right valuations and are set up right from a macro perspective and internal perspective to do well. This is like when, when just throwing a, throwing a tech name out there or a certain stock out there is the wrong strategy. Exactly. And I think one last thing to keep in mind, audience, as we sort of round this out, is the main reason you invest defensively right now is you still have gains during a period like this, even from year to date, uh, January 2022 to December 2022. So you have some profits to play with once the growth market kicks off again. Once you, So you have a little bit more of that liquidity that you can remove some positions and really you know go all in once the growth environment comes back. Because no matter what, it is a cycle. The market works cyclically. We'll never be in an eternal bear market. We'll never be in an eternal bull market. Um, but your main thing to do during a bear market is to keep that investing perspective so that you have more money to play with so you can really ride the wave once you are confident the bull market is back and once we're back on that wild growth tear because that's kind of the economy we're in right now. We are in this fully realized space that is prime for economic growth because of the level of innovation, because of the way that uh, tech companies have found a way to uh, expand their margins brilliantly with services like cloud computing and software as a service. So keep that in mind moving forward. We are, you know, we're experiencing this kind of correction because of monetary policy and just like how economies work cyclically but that will come the the growth period will come back and if you you know play your cards right you'll have a pretty big cushion to you know really throw some money around once that period returns but with that we are you know really hitting that half an hour mark so audience if you have any other questions for us uh, feel free to hit, hit me up here over on discord i'm mobistar here on discord at the same time if you're listening to this on a on our podcast feed hit, hit us up at hello at moby.co we'll gladly look at anything you want us to look look at and also any answer any questions you have we want to make sure that we give you the best perspective you have but for the final thoughts here justin kramer co-founder here and chief analyst at moby.co any final thoughts from you as we sort of like gear up for the end of the week and think about next week as we watch the volatility hit and we enter more and more into this correction space yeah i would say the only thing i would add to that is that right now like investing defensively doesn't mean that like you can't make money I think I just want to like reiterate that point or make it more clear. Just because you're investing in financials, in healthcare, and things that like historically, and when I say historically, I mean over the last decade, haven't done as well as tech, doesn't mean that like you still can't do well in 2022. It's just you need to do well in other places. So even towards the end of last year, it's like you look at names like United Healthcare, you look at like Goldman Sachs or like some of these more like historically boring names that are you're in it because it's a safer investment, you get some yield. Like they actually outperformed most of the tech names out there. So I just want to make clear that just because we're investing defensive doesn't mean that we don't think we can do well in 2022. We just think that the environment is changing. And so when you look at the decade prior, value names actually also outperform growth. So things change. You know, tech is obviously a theme that isn't going away and fundamentally believe in it. Um, but you just need to be very cognizant of what's going on. And just because it's the current environment, doesn't mean you can't do well. Maybe you're not getting, you know, 100% year for your returns, but I just want to make that point very clear that we're still providing recommendations on stocks and ideas that we believe would do well this year. Hell yeah, man. I think it's a really great place to end it. So audience, thank you so much for your time here today. Justin Kramer, thank you so much for your time as we move forward here. Um, audience, I'm so excited to give you some more perspectives. If you go over to moby.co, if you go to youtube.co slash c slash moby investor, we're going to be posting an, a new stock pick there literally within five minutes of this podcast uh, ending. At the same time, audience, check us out over at moby.co for like, you know, more of our, you know, deep perspective. We've got a lot of really good energy and financial stocks that we've been thinking about in terms of being pretty good for this environment. Otherwise, audience, I really appreciate your time today. Just so you know, this 
podcast is produced, hosted, and voiced by me, Peter Star Northrum. All the advice you heard today, all of these sort of editorializing came from our chief analyst and co-founder, Justin Kramer. In the meantime, audience, you always check us out over at Moby.co. Otherwise, we really appreciate your time today. And as always, I'd like to leave you with peace, love, and incremental gains. Everyone be well. Thank you so much.